This episode is brought to you by Margie Lamb, health coach and founder of Healthy and Hustlin'. Are you fed up with the dieting and the seemingly contradictory health advice out there? Do you want to feel great in your body and accomplish your goals in a way that's empowering and not overwhelming? For me, the answer was an easy yes. Five years ago, I was pushing 200 pounds. I worked out twice a day and counted my calories. I didn't really see a movement on the scale nor my body type. So I decided to check my ego and call up a health coach. Margie, as a certified integrative nutrition health coach, works with each client as a guide and mentor to build a healthy, sustainable lifestyle that will help you reach your health goals. She offers free one-hour initial consultations. To learn more, visit her website, www.healthyandhustlin.com. That's www.healthyandhustlin, spelled H-U-S-T-L-I-N, dot com. Have you read someone's social media post? It's nonverbal, no body language. However, from the post, you could feel a certain energy that the post brought to you. That's how I felt about Franco. At the time, he was going through his MBA program at OU. He worked for a professional sports team here in Oklahoma City. His career goes all the way back to Los Angeles where he produced shows for the Los Angeles Lakers, for the LA Galaxy. Met Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, just name a few. Yet, he's so humble. But there's something about this man that I wanted to get to know more about. Because it wasn't just the TV shows that he's produced. I wanted to get to know about Franco. And so I had the opportunity about a year ago. By chance, I ran into him at a local dessert store. One conversation led to another. We became friends. He came over for a podcast. And it's going to be really interesting that do you really know Franco as well as you think you do? I recently, I recently came across a tweet from Franco. He says, I'm at this age where if you want me to be formal, I'm just going to wear a soccer polo. So, Franco, I don't know if you remember this polo, but this is the first gift you gave me when we first met. And I appreciate it so much that I actually wear it all the time. And I'm very proud. And I'm proud of you and I'm proud of our friendship. Thank you so much. I wish you all the very best. I look forward to seeing you soon, brother. Love you, man. Welcome back to Defining Moments Podcast. My name is Wong Lam, and today's special guest is my great friend, Franco Sweet Yuan. Franco, welcome How's to the going, podcast, brother. Everything good? Yeah, man. A few, probably about a year, year and a half ago, you were going through your MBA program, right? And I started following you at that time. You were working for the professional soccer team here in Oklahoma City. And I was intrigued about your your path through this MBA program. And I found that you were very interesting and really actually fun to follow. And what I thought was really cool is you had stats, stats on stats, soccer stats of international teams. And so I found that intriguing. I wanted to catch up with you. And finally, we caught up last summer by chance. And then now we become really good friends and you're sitting in this chair and I get to do a podcast with you, man. I'm honored to be here, man. I mean, you know, I think it was a good experience getting to know you. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, I'm, 
I'm not really from here, but the fact that I get to meet people and people and then maintain that relationship, uh, yeah, I think that's the most valuable thing about meeting people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's always about meeting people and forming really good relationships. Before we take a dive into your personal life, your professional life, how are you doing today, man? I'm very good. Yeah. Uh, very relaxed. I think uh, uh, for the longest time, as you say, with the MBA program and then working uh, two different jobs at the time, to slow down a lot, it's a good thing because yeah. I think we always need a, you know, a minute of break. Mm-hmm. Uh, months of break, whatever it is, yeah. just to you know sit back and relax and you know understand that uh, life is not always nonstop. Right. At times we need to rest. Like body will have reactions to you. So yeah, very glad. You know, very happy, uh, excited. Uh, yeah. you know, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. That's a that's an interesting point. You talk about resetting and and taking a break because we feel like this is a nonstop life, which you know to a certain extent it. It is nonstop. How how do you relax yourself though? You have a lot of different things going. I do because even when when I feel that I'm relaxed, I'm, my my mind is probably thinking about what are other <laughs> stuff I can do and stuff. Right. But I think that's not me. I think it's almost everybody that always tries to look into other new horizons in yeah. what they can do. I think um, the times that I got to sit back and relax a lot right now is you know um, playing with my daughter. Uh, being able to have my daughter play with her neighbors or friends and stuff and then watch them play. I think that's relaxing because um, it just allows your mind to just focus on that thing and that thing uh, might be not that significant to you, very significant to the person that you're watching to, but it's just like that allows you to uh, cherish and and enjoy the things that is in front of you. Um, But I, I, I agree. I think, you know, everybody's always thinking about uh, what are the things that they can do better? What are the things that they can do to progress? What are the things that they can do to bring more revenue for their for themselves and stuff? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a nonstop thing. But ultimately, I think um, it's good to be able to reset a lot of times because yeah. it allows you to look uh, how far how you become. Yeah. Uh, not to get cocky about it, but just how right. far how you become, and then where where's the next direction? Allows you to sit back and relax and look into what they're just gonna head into. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting ready to take off to go in the whole month of June. You're going to be reporting with, I think it's the Mexican national team. Yes, right. Working in public relations um, with uh, the Mexican national team. Actually, they had two friendlies leading to the Gold Cup, um, mm-hmm. and you know it's going to be an interesting tournament because for the first time it's going to be 16 teams and um, four groups. So that's huge uh, for uh, the federation, the confederation here uh, in uh, Concacaf, but. You know, I'm I'm excited just because I think it's an early experience, and ultimately, uh, when I sit back and relax and reset, a couple of the things that I think about is, you know, when I'm old enough, 80, 85 years old, and I'm about <laughs> to pass away, yeah. uh, what are the things that are gonna be stuck with me? And I think in the end, you just memorize. I say from the people that made mm-hmm. an impact in your life is the experiences that you have. So, yeah. you know, the times that I have been working in these type of tournaments has been amazing just because from a background that I come that I always love soccer and be there and be able to presence that and see how everything works you know I am taking mental pictures all the time and just stay storage them over here yeah it's amazing yeah it sounds amazing because what you actually do is you follow the Mexican national team and for our listeners we're talking about the sport of soccer European football 
And so I didn't preface that with all the listeners. But yeah, so you report with them. And then prior to coming to Oklahoma, you're in L.A. for a while. And you produced and directed for some shows for the Los Angeles Lakers of the NBA and the Los Angeles Galaxy of the MLS. How was that? Um, so, you know, um, for a television career, you, you know, um, there's a list of market, uh, industries market that, yeah. you know, they're ranked and they always have New York as number one and Los Angeles as number two. But I think a lot of times why LA is number two is because they never consider the county of Orange County mm-hmm. uh, into that because otherwise it will be much larger in terms of TV audience. But for me, when I went to school, one of the things I will tell you is like, you're going to start in a lower market and then make your way up to a larger market. And my, my dream was always when I graduated from Cal State Fullerton in California was to always move back to Los Angeles just because my parents are there. And then also the, the, the fact that it was a big market, it was with the top two in the, yeah. in the nation. And, you know, I was, um, blessed enough to be able to have uh, somebody recommend me to uh, be back in LA and be there uh, put on the spot at 25. It was uh, very uh, challenging just because, you know, normally a lot of people take a few more years, take a lot of more other markets. I, ju- I just went from Oklahoma City, which is 46, uh, the 46 market uh-huh. and go over there. And then it was a lot of learning experience. And I think a lot of times I think I've been learning more when I'm bumping heads, and, yeah. you know, uh, uh, shutting down fires and stuff like that, because I think it allows you to learn so much. So it was a great experience. Um, yeah. Got to know, meet a lot of people. Uh, I think, you know, uh, being a television producer or being a producer on radio and stuff like that, I think uh, when they retire or when, the medium or the industry retires them. Mm-hmm. I think it builds a set of skills that uh, not many people have because you're constantly under pressure, under deadlines, uh, and then the strategic side planning uh, comes into place. And to be able to think in a snap of a second mm-hmm. and then think, okay, we're gonna be heading next, and what's the direction you're gonna take uh, with the whole breaking news mentality? I think it's you know yeah. it's a great experience. Yeah. When you talk about bumping heads, are you talking about bumping heads with management or producers, other producers? Well, a lot of times athletes. because, you know, uh, like like sports, yeah. uh, I think entertainment, uh, I'm pretty sure that it happens in a lot of industries, mm-hmm. but you can f- see more of egos coming out, which is normal because, you know, you're talking with personalities. Uh, now, even more with social media, you're talking about people with, X amount of followers, people with this more amount of followers, these people with less amount of followers. Therefore, uh, some people are more qualified to give an opinion because they have more followers or Mm -hmm. some other people are not. And then in the end, they feel that they know more than anybody else. So (laughs) when you mention about why sometimes stats are so important because stats are facts. People, when they give opinion, exaggerate or undervalue a fact because of their opinions, right. but when you had the facts, the numbers are there, and then they just tells you what it is. Yeah. So I think a lot of times it's good to look at stats. Yeah. I think actually teams are doing more uh, analyzing those facts, whether mm. it is how many kilometers uh, miles they have run on mm. a on a match and, and stuff like that, because they or who they played the most to, um, you know, a defensive midfield player, 
who they who who does he play the ball more more to, yeah. and then analyze. Okay, maybe we should pressure here and then this point because that way we know that the the guy that receives the most uh, balls from that person is going to be this person. So I think always having stats and stuff like that it's important. Uh, and you know, and that's why you always want to go with the facts when you want to argue about something because it's just no. You can refute them. You can argue them. Yeah. They're there. Yeah, the facts don't lie. Yeah, right. Exactly. Soccer. Let's talk about soccer for okay. a minute. We talk about stats and analytics. What's your favorite stat to keep in soccer? You know, um, I think there's a uh, more and more the one thing that it, it, it's interesting to me. It's you know you look at each individual player and then um, you get to see. Uh, like I said, uh, how many balls they're playing, who they're playing to, the amount of the percentage of who they're playing. Like, you know, if you have a player that always plays back, and then you see that the number one recipient of all the balls that he's playing from the defensive midfielders to a center back, the guy just the ability for him to be able to turn around and then attack are gonna be much less because you know that the first the guy as soon as he gets the ball he's gonna always play back. Yeah. Back. So I think those are the things that you start learning and understanding. I think it's so important just because based on that, those are the things that you're able to analyze yeah. how maybe a team is going to behave. Now, uh, I think one thing that is will be very interesting to see, and uh, you know, uh, when you take a master's program, a lot of times is uh, they do this personality test. Mm-hmm. They, they see what type of leader you can be. Um, right. I'm, I'm, you know, you're a results leader, you're a data leader. I'm a results leader and yeah. you know results leader just respect the best out of the best they they mm-hmm. want to see numbers and stuff it will be interesting to see how is the personality for a full team because not all the players are going to be results oriented and yeah. then be able to study how past champions the team the core of the team what were their personalities yeah because you know yes abilities and stuff like that but i think it'll be interesting to see how also the personality side comes into play yeah uh, to be able to manage a group for a coach yeah for sure i i'm a big stats guy i love data so it's always fascinating to know how many miles or kilometers a player has run how many ball touches they have throughout the match how many passes completed so i'm all about that switching gears to the nba so you did some shows for the the lakers What's been your favorite stat in the NBA to keep up with? I, I wouldn't want to say um, the stat. I think the one thing that I learned about NBA, the, uh, everything that I think when I look into the stats, I look at also how it can be applicable mm-hmm. to organizations. So, you know, it's crazy because in MBAs, when you're talking about free agents or the possibility of re-signing players, uh, you have players that they have high averages or high scoring uh, points and stuff like that per season. But you also take into consideration players that they have a lot of assists. Mm-hmm. You have taken into consideration those that they have more steals, rebounds, blocks, and stuff. But how come that doesn't translate to organizational behaviors? Mm-hmm. where only apparently only the people that they get their results which is probably just the points yeah get all the best you know promotions get all the races but those that they provide assist that do, does the rebound that does the block that's the steal 
they don't get the same treatment. But mm. in the NBA, you compensate them based on those numbers. Yeah. But in organizations, only the ones that they score points are getting compensated, while the ones that they do the steals, assists, and all that stuff like that, they don't get as many praise as the guy that scores points. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see that. You know, I think yeah. those are the things that comes into your mind. And you think, oh, okay, you know, you're in a sports that the players are analyzed by every single stat yeah. and then by employees or not. Right. In the NBA, when you're producing for the Lakers, what, what are some players that you got to interact with and, and talk to? You know, I, I think we were, of course, introduction of Jeremy Lin. Yeah. That was, that, was, that was cool because of what Linsanity was. Yeah. And especially for whether um, whether you're a full Asian or you're like, you know, you have some parents that they're full Asians mm. and stuff like that, like myself, like yourself, mm. it brings some sense of pride because especially on, on sports that they're very domi- dominated by, you know, maybe an ethnicity, uh, whether it's uh, soccer, football, yeah, uh, yeah. NBA, it's f- you get to see few um, Asian faces on yeah. the sports. Um, and I think being able to see that and how much people were praising him and then coming to Lakers, to the Lakers, which is a huge franchise, especially with a guy that, you know, was with three of the teams that had the most social engagement in China, which is Jeremy Lin played with the Warriors, played wow. with the Rockets and played with the Lakers. Those okay. are the three. So it's just interesting to see, you know, uh, how big he, he wow. has become. I think... Not many people know the impact that it could have in China, but those are the three teams that has the most engagement rate in social media and their social media platforms across the whole NBA. It's just the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Rockets. And then the other 27 teams have very low... Uh, those three teams are over here, and the rest is over here. Wow. And the fact that Germany has played for all three teams is pretty spectacular. Wow. Okay, so there you go. That's why I, know I enjoy talking to you. You're a stats guy. You know all these stats, man. So meeting and then Jeremy you know Lin. Jeremy Lin, though, yeah. that, that, that was good. Um, uh, trust me, I have had my you know my 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 issues over there just because you know um, <laughs> doing light television. Um, there has to be, when I say challenges, I I have messed up too. I'm not gonna say I haven't. You know we have a post game show when Kobe Bryant uh, torn his Achilles uh, that he he just went ahead and did a post game. Uh, uh, interview at the locker room and I didn't take him live yeah. it took a little bit because knowing Kobe um, especially at the moment when he's you know probably very frustrated about a season ending injury there's going to be a cuss word that's going to come out Yeah, and I, I sort of expected that it happened but I was worried so much about that that at the time I didn't think about the big picture that everyone wanted to hear what Kobe had to say so, um, you know, it took me, I think I, I took the interview live until one minute and a half late, two minutes late. And that was one of the mistakes I made uh, uh-huh. uh, because it has some repercussions into why didn't we take it live? So I had to explain, but it's a learning experience. I mean, yeah. if it wouldn't happen to me, I probably would never thought about, of that now. Yeah. So I think I'm glad for that. But the other person that I also got to me that I think very kind and stuff is Steve Nash oh um, yeah that's right a uh, guy just completely loves soccer yeah and then right. uh, I I didn't meet him through work I just I actually went to lunch nearby the, the workplace and he was just there and then we were talking about how we were the channel that 
that uh, has the Lakers broadcast rights and he's like no no don't leave don't leave stay with me I want to chat with you guys so that was yeah. interesting then, <laughs> to, awesome. to sit down with, uh, with yeah. him and then chat a little bit because it just puts you in perspective more or less is that a person with so much um, prominence he's able to go ahead and sit down with you and going back to organizational behavior mm-hmm. a lot of times you have hard times to be able to even sit down with superior yeah doesn't make sense yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So Jeremy Lin, Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant. What about soccer? Two, three players that you got to sit down with or interview or listen to speak live in person. Um, got to, uh, I think, one of them that was big, always Leo Messi. Yeah, wow. That was a big one. Um, um, it was a couple of years ago. I don't want to recall, probably... 10 years ago. You're also fluent in Spanish. Yeah. So it probably made it easy. I think he got surprised that I was speaking Spanish <laughs> and like an Argentine like him. Wow. So, um, I think his brother was there too. And he's like, what? You, you, you're, not only you speak Spanish, but you actually sound like us. So that was, that was a cool thing. Um, I think that was a good one. I think always listening to uh, Landon Donovan was okay. a good one, especially listening to him speaking Spanish because... You know, um, I think early in the careers, uh, maybe he was seen as a, a bad guy uh, mm. or, you know, uh, not not so nice. But over the years, he has transitioned uh, to be able to be very well-spoken. Not that he wasn't before, but just very kind, receptive yeah. to media and stuff. So I think, you know, uh, that, because I was an intern with the LA Galaxy and then years later, I, be, I worked as a producer. Uh, uh, for the galaxy and then to be able to see that I did see the change and I did see the fact that he spoke Spanish and I think he understood the culture that was going surrounding mm, him in yeah. Los Angeles which is very Hispanic yeah. and also you know they had the Anglo uh, speaking individuals yeah. so I think that those probably are um, it's good to see them good to read them because a lot of things that you look at them is like okay how can you apply things that you're looking right now that you can apply to you yeah. so Wow. That was pretty nice, yeah. You, you were born in Argentina, Born in Argentina, yeah. yeah. So, is that, so is that where your Spanish is so Buenos brilliant? Aires. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's <laughs> Monday through Friday, I had to go to Argentine school, and then <laughs> Saturday forced me to go to Chinese school. I yeah. mean, you know, man, yeah, you had yeah. to go back to uh, yeah. Vietnamese school whatsoever just so you don't right. lose, you know. So I can still speak and understand and read, right? I'm, I'm with you, man. That's yeah. fantastic. So as a reporter, producer, you're able to speak, obviously, English, and Spanish and uh, Chinese. That's that's really impressive, especially in the sports market, man. Yeah, uh, it comes in handy. Like yeah. when you least uh, expect it. Uh, yeah, and it it has helped a lot uh, mm-hmm. because it breaks. I think when you know more languages, when you know more everything, it allows you to break barriers with the other individual and then you know interact. Because you know, I'll just give you an example: is that you know if it was a full it was a room full of whites, blacks, um, Latinos, and it's just me there. And then all of a sudden, you walk in. At some point, we are, we're gonna do like you know, Earth and the Sun, just surround yeah. each other, walking around each other until we actually meet. Like, ah, yeah, 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 how's yeah. It going? And <laughs> but we do that because of looks. Uh, we we wanna be we feel more comfortable with somebody that looks like us. But I think the fact that if you're able to do to speak more languages allows you to break that barrier and then interact more with people and then understand the other human being too. So I think yeah. it's very important to be able to know more languages. I mean, I have a 
huge accent when yeah. I speak in English, but I'm proud of it. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, it has allowed me to open doors and meet with the other people as well. Man, that's awesome, dude. Wow. So you went to L.A. and you directed, produced shows for those two really big franchises, and then you moved to Oklahoma. What, uh, what challenges have you encountered with your transition from L.A., the number two market, back to the number 46 market in Oklahoma? When I, um, when I moved, I went back to um, Tyler Media to work as a news director. Yeah. I'll be honest this with you. The first day I went back to the same office that I worked a couple of years ago, shut the door, and I started crying. And the reason why I did that is because I felt that I wasn't ready to come back yet uh, to Oklahoma City. I came back because of my family. But I wasn't ready to come back yet uh, to Oklahoma City. But, you know, I understood that I wanted to spend more time in L.A. I wanted to be able to see where else I could have get, could have gotten, um, you know, in, in Los Angeles. But, you know, sometimes things happen in ways that you just don't, don't know why it happens. But, you know, a couple of months later, a lot of my colleagues in Los Angeles got, uh, there was a huge, you know, uh, turnover of employees. Mm -hmm. So, luckily, I wasn't there, but it allows me to think, wait, you know, maybe this was meant to be because I would have had to live under that. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, um, to come back over here, uh, a couple of the challenges that I see is that um, when you're in a market where everything is going 100 miles per hour, mm -hmm. I think uh, things in Oklahoma might go a little bit slower yeah. and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just to be able to um, incorporate those elements that you learn on a 100 miles per hour environment yeah. to a 75 miles per hour environment and then be able to, um, you know, give and receive because I don't think that you're going to be able to, you know, uh, implement everything that you want. Yeah. And I also do think that I lack some sort of leadership skills when I was over there. I mean, especially that coming down to... Um, uh, making decisions and there's a lot of reason why I took the MBA because it not only allows me to you know learn more on the uh, on how business can be run on right. what are other focuses but I think also to be able to talk to your uh, classmates that they are in positions they want to be you know in a director position and then see how they will behave and then pick up some things about that because in reality everybody tries to pick up of the best things from every single leader that they have had in their mm -hmm. careers. And then they're like, you know what? This is how I'm going to be. This is the type of leader I'm going to be when I become a leader. And then you're picking the best thing that you have from your first job, the best mm -hmm. that you have from the second job. And sometimes we do forget that there are some challenges, individuals that they're completely different that your first boss had to deal with, that you maybe had to change that mindset of, you know what? No this is the way I'm going to be. No, look what you're going to have to deal with and then work around that and yeah. then see how you can make the best out of it. So, yeah. you know, it was, you know, I think, you know, I'm not going to come here and tell you that everything that I did has been perfect, but right. I admit it, really lack some leadership skills. From when oh, I was yeah. There. We, we all had to go through setbacks and mm -hmm. other events. So speaking of setbacks, now where maybe a defining moment or two that you've been through in your life that's kind of shaped your down a certain path or shaped yourself? 
Uh, one, of course, uh, when I was uh, 17, almost 18 years old, moving from Argentina to the U.S. Mm. Because um, my parents will tell you this, high school, disaster. Disaster because, you know... In, in the United States. Uh, in Argentina. Oh, in Argentina. High school disaster. Because <laughs> just bad, bad, bad at school. I mean, you know, we had like 12 subjects, you know, for sure, fill six subjects. And, you know, the, the system in Argentina, when you fill the subject, you have to take a one test that comprises everything you learn in a year. And if you don't pass it in December, our school year is uh, is from uh, February, March, all the way until uh, late November. Oh, so wow. in December, we had to take this test that comprises everything you learn on those months oh, into man. one test. And if you don't pass it, you are, you're allowed to take it on March of next year, the following year. But after you fail on, Mar on March of that year, uh, my school, the school I went to, they only allow you to fail one subject to June. If you fail two subjects on March, you had to get out of the school. And the first year, I failed six. And I, I only passed three of them in December. And I took three in March. And then I passed the first one, filled the second one. So the last one, I was like, I really need to pass it. So I actually did pass it. Uh, but I think it just wasn't really focused on terms of school. And when I move over here, uh, your head starts doing conversions on the currency mm -hmm. or how much my that was paying for school, for instance. Plus, we were paying out-of-state, international student and stuff like that. Wow. And I just started multiplying those numbers. Like, wow, they're spending a lot of money. And, you know, I better do good. So I think that that was a moment that, you know, ever since I can think of, it's just the whole idea of being able to do more, do more, do more. Uh, you know, uh, not that I didn't have papers, but it wasn't easy for me to find jobs just because I didn't have social security with the type of visa that I have. And, you know, a lot of times I ask myself, uh, now that I have social security, now that I'm okay, why don't I do the things that I would have done if I would have it back then. So um, th those are the things that, you know, uh, that allows me to think and reach higher just because, you know, th when I did the master's and then while well, working two jobs, one part-time, one full-time, yeah. why did I do that? It's because I do think that I everything, to me, the fact that it's there, it's almost given to me. It's just me that had to go ahead and do it. And, you know, I think that's, that's one big thing for me. And then the second thing that, I learned, especially on late 20s and then early 30s, is that, you know, uh, looking at some people that they have some uh, diseases. Uh, one of my uh, um, soccer coaches for college uh, passed away. Uh, he's actually a dad of a very good friend of, from my best man on my wedding. Mm. Um, he passed away. And one of the things that makes me think is that, you know, a lot of times we focus so much about building bridges because we don't want to burn any, because we always want to have all these contacts. We always want to have this network of people and stuff like that. And then as years go by, those people, not that they don't really matter, but, you know, you start focusing on the people that actually make sense that you want to care. And and you start saying no to people when, when you're in your early 20s, you start saying yes to everybody because you don't want to shut any doors. And a lot of cast comes to my mind to say, you know what, at 30, uh, do you want to still be the guy that always opens up doors? Probably not. And not because in a bad way, but because you want to be able to invest more, more time with those that they matter, those that mm -hmm. they can, you know, uh, make something intangible to tangible, those that they can go ahead and give you. Uh, when I hear good news about that person, that can, that can provide me with some happiness, 
not instead of jealousy or right. immediately ask you, oh, where did you get it at? Oh, can you get me in? Well, more or less, you know what? I'm genuinely happy about that, about you. Those are, and that's, I think, when relationships become from intangible to tangible because it provides a feeling to you. It provides mm-hmm. happiness. It provides some emotional uh, uh, reaction towards uh, news that the person, whether it's good or bad. If, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I attended a funeral today. There's people that come by that when you hear the news and they passed away, you're like, oh, that's sad. But there's mm-hmm. other people that they passed away that's sad. You start feeling sad. You It allows you to cry. Yeah. And those, those are the relationships, I think, that uh, a lot of times you want to invest more because those are the ones, not necessarily that they matter, but it's just that, you know, that, that created something with you. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's a very solid point. Well explained. Because I hear about the older you get, the more mature you obviously get. And I I see all these people trying to build these connections the opposite way. They they try to build all these bridges and for them to cross or for people to cross. And you're saying that, well, you know, I'm building bridges still, however, I want to connect with my friends that are genuine. They're actually going to be there when I need them. Because not everyone's going to, everyone will say, oh yeah, I'm with you. However, your true friends will send you a text, maybe a tweet, or make sure that you're okay every once in a while. I'm with you. Yeah, and you know, I think the problem is a lot of times when you want to expand bridges, you a lot of times had to behave out of character, uh, meaning you had to be a little bit different. And it's going to come come down to a point that you just can't be out of character because you ultimately had to be yourself. And sometimes being yourself doesn't, doesn't translate to be receptive you know receptive by everybody yeah so that's why i think because you had to behave out of character sometimes it's hard to continue being like that so you start becoming your true self and then if people are and it goes both ways you know yeah you know it goes both ways because a lot of bridges that you build with people they tend to be one one way street they could be one way street yeah in the end the way i see some of the bridges that i want to build is that it's a big avenue of emotions, relationships, conversation, uh, uh, mind, mindful discussions, uh, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And those are the things. Not that the others don't matter, but by all means, go ahead and build as many bridges as you want when you're mm-hmm. early 20s because they're important for you to set your career. At 30, you still want to be a career, but you want to be a little more smart about, be smarter about, uh, you know, what you want to be able to build. I mean, you know. Yeah. So I think that's that's very key important. You know? Yeah, yeah. You want to attract the energy that you give off mm-hmm. and the, your, your your surroundings. That makes a lot of sense, man. I want to touch back on your first defining moment. You talked about some subjects that you failed when you're 16 cents. Oh. Where, where, where are the subjects? You're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh. Okay. I failed. Obviously, I failed geography. No math. No math. Uh, they call it. It will be Spanish because right here they have English, but okay. <laughs> it will be like language, just like, you know, um, history, music, <laughs> PE. <laughs> but because, wow. Uh, and the reason why I felt PE, I, I mean, not that I have any reason why I shouldn't have felt PE, but uh, the high school only allowed uh, for PE in a very traditional soccer uh, country. Yeah. The school didn't want. To offer soccer and uh, as PE, they only offer two sports, volleyball and basketball, <laughs> and it's fine because the reason why is I think you know, uh, 
you allow, uh, you need to create people that they have interests other than soccer. Otherwise, yeah. you know, otherwise uh, they wouldn't have the Ginobili's in the world. You that's know? fair. That's very so, true. You know, so that's why they wanted to have that. And at the time, you know, you think about it, like how many people play basketball and volleyball back then. Now it's important to have that. So feel that because I, at first, never played basketball in my life. I was yeah. being soccer all the time. So yeah, <laughs> was was the transition hard? Because in Argentina, Spanish speaking, and over here, it's obviously English. Yes. So was it tough for you as 17 years old? To... It, it was tough. Um, uh, and I always remember the, the janitor at the community college that I went to, Pasadena City College. A janitor actually helped me to reg- register for the school. Wow. My dad dropped me off. And he's like, oh, go register or something like that. You're the only one that speaks English in here a little bit. And I'm like, no, no, but you had to figure it out. Uh, fear it out. I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. And then the first Hispanic that is all like, um, listen, um, I don't speak any English. Uh, can I go ahead and have, use your translating services yeah. to be able to do uh, register for school? Like, yeah, by all means. So, you know, um, I think that was uh, a huge transition, um, you know, for that. But Wow, a janitor helped you out, huh? That's awesome, man. You also talk about it was expensive, the transition to come to America. What sacrifice did your parents have to make for you to come to the United States and get this education? I think the biggest sacrifice that my dad made is um, that I asked him just recently if he ever regretted it because sometimes I put myself into that situation whether I would have regretted it or if I, I, would, I would have done it, is that he, you know, let go of his whole career as a lawyer in Argentina uh, to come to the U.S. to uh, sell clothes. Wow. And um, that's one thing that I always, uh, you know, think about it because now that I have a daughter, am I willing to let go of everything that I think of about the career that I want to have for the well-being? Everybody's going to tell you, yes, I'll do it right away when I snap out a second. Why would you even think about it? But if you really think about it, if you had to go through that, it's hard, you know, because mm-hmm. human beings, yes, it's my daughter and stuff like that. But you, I mean, the the type of guy I am, I think about what I want, where I want to get, especially with the whole migrating to here and then be able to conquer here, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it just you start thinking about it. And the fact that my dad let everything go, a great opportunity, you know, be the first lawyer that spoke Spanish in Argentina and Chinese and help the Chinese community over there. Right. Uh, he let go of a big thing and I think that was a huge sacrifice. Yeah. And, you know, my mom, uh, my mom, uh, you know, uh, it's crazy how moms are because my mom never finished uh, university. She never went to university. She only finished high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, I, I went, I got a master's last year but she still gives me the best advices that I could have ever gotten. Yeah. We don't have any needed to go to school. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, it's crazy because, you know, here you are thinking that you're the most educated person. Right. And stuff like that. But parents just give you the one advice that no matter what education it is, it's just life, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think those are the huge sacrifices that they have made. Uh, my parents, as you know, you know, they left Taiwan uh, they didn't meet each other until they 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 were in Bolivia, mm-hmm. and then they moved to Argentina, and then they moved to the U.S. So I think it has been a transition for them, 
where if you look at it in a time of their lives, they have been a decade here, a decade there, and it's hard to build something or set something up in, in a country if you're just moving every 10 years. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, a lot of the responsibility and a lot of the clicking moment when I moved over here was like, okay, uh, they're making all these efforts. We already made it to the U.S. I had to be the best I can be, uh, or at least try to do the best I can be uh, to be able to provide something for my parents, or at least yeah. make them proud of something in their lifetime. Yeah. Know? So. Wow, that's that's amazing because you said from Taiwan, that's a different culture. To Bolivia is a different culture. To Argentina is a different culture. And then the United States, I mean, there's a there's a huge culture swings, and yet I think you hit it on the head when you said your mom didn't hit didn't graduate from university however she has given you the best advice and it's beautiful man it, there's nothing like a mom's advice or dad's Hallelujah. advice yeah and the sacrifices that they had to go through that they gave up to get you help you get to where you are today man mm-hmm. yeah completely. phenomenal wow mm-hmm. you know with your your travel and you're married and you, you've got this daughter you're gonna be gone for a while so when you wake up in the morning, what are some of your habits that you go through? Um, I do every morning. I wake up at seven in the morning. Um, had to do some work um, for the university for a week. Mm-hmm. After that, I'm waking up my daughter and telling her, "Hey, time to get up, even <laughs> though you don't like it." And then I cook breakfast uh, with her, uh, for her, and stuff like that. We try to have breakfast, chat a little bit about yeah how the day is going to be and stuff like that, and. Um, take her to school uh, so you know it becomes a routine but it's a routine that I enjoy it a lot because I mm-hmm. think somebody's like oh no on the go run and stuff like that and the fact that I can be able to invest time with her yeah, chatting with her and then see how much she has grown right. from one day to the other it just uh, it's beautiful because yeah. you're just seeing something grow in front of your eyes and um, you know, and how creative she is and how she can be, the little personality that comes with her. Yeah. Those are the things that I cherish. And, you know, it also puts you back in perspective because here we are trying to be the greatest that we can be, the, um, the, the, the most influential individual we can mm-hmm. be on other people's lives and stuff like that. But in the end, my daughter looks at me as just that. Yeah. You know, here we're thinking about trying to be director of this, BP of this, yeah. Uh, work on this, work on that, becoming this, becoming that. Changes on per- people's perspective, changes the the type of conversation you're going to have, the length of the conversation you're going to have based mm-hmm. on the title that you have. Because if you have a lower title, I'm just going to chat with you for a few and then yeah. try to chat with the people that I have some sort of personal interest with mm-hmm. because they have it in a higher position. But when I chat with my daughter... I'm just that. Yeah. There's no such a thing as director of that, BP of that, uh, <laughs> you know, dad that works in this. I'm just that. I'm just the person that just care about her, that takes care of her, that sit down yeah. in front of her, and we just discuss everything that we can. Right. And I think those allows you to put back in perspective all what matters the most. Yeah. I love that, man. What are some questions that you wish people would ask you, but no one ever asked you? The hard questions. Or just where, where are some questions that... No, you, no, the hard questions. Yeah, the hard but questions. The hard questions, because I ask the hard questions. Because I ask the hard questions. I don't think um, uh, organizations uh, that I work with, um, they ask hard questions enough to understand that 
maybe a negative moment could translate into a, a longevous uh, impact that can be positive. Yeah. And I think, you know, I always ask the hard questions because um, I think it sometimes comes from the, the fact that I always wanted to be a journalist. But you had to ask them because if nobody in the room is going to be asking them, then there's nothing that puts you to be accountable of mm-hmm. where you at and what, what are the goals that you set for yourself. What are, what are, what's a hard question you had to ask, let's say, your boss or a CEO? I, I think, you know, uh, um, recently working at the professional sports team, um, a, couple of, uh, um, a couple of things that I asked, I was like, you know, we were, it was in the middle of the World Cup. And in, in the middle of the World Cup, we were talking about, you know, uh, how to f- get more people on, onto the stadium. Okay. It was in the middle of the World Cup, and one of the things I said is like, how come, you know, so people are not watching games or at least be aware to learn about the games that they're going on in the World Cup because it allows you to establish a conversation with the person you want to call to sell the ticket. Meaning, one, you get to see the game between Spain and Portugal where Cristiano Ronaldo scored a hat-trick. It's an amazing game. Yeah. Three, you know three. what? We happen to play on Saturday too, man. Yeah. I don't know if you want to come out and check it out. Yeah. You know? But And then it was like, no, that's not important. That's the feedback that I got. Mm. The second question that I asked, uh, you know, uh, I'd say the same thing is that, you know, uh, and th- that's one thing I saw clearly here in Oklahoma City was that um, a lot of people, whether they're in the forefront of the business or they're on the director ownership uh, side of it, they don't really take their time to invest into knowing the team that they own, the team that they work for. Easily, if you go ahead and ask you who are the starting 11 that repeated the most in 2018, they, if they can give you that, that number, they can give you those names and stuff, or at least mm-hmm. five names, six names. Do they really care about the sports that they claim that they actually care or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. It's a fair question. Yeah. If I ask you, you know, I mean... I bet you, if you go to the basketball teams um, from the front desk to the VP, they know probably what were the numbers of Russell Westbrook the night before. They probably know how many points he got, how many rebounds he got, how many seats he got. But why why not in soccer? Hmm. Yes, I completely understand. It's not the sport that, the sport of choice by the people that work in there. But at least make an effort to understand it. Hmm. You know? That's, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I feel like if you're going to sell a product, at least understand the product enough to have a conversation. It doesn't have to be in-depth, but just light enough to let that person know, like, oh, hey, yeah, I did enjoy that Portugal and Spain game. Mm-hmm. Cristiano had a hat trick and it was tied 3-3. Three to three. I think that's the game you're talking about. I don't know. Yeah, that's what a game yeah. I remember when yeah. you talk about Spain Portugal. So, see, I'm a stats guy too. <laughs> but it's it's interesting, and I'll take that as when I was coaching boys competitive soccer, you had 18 boys, young men that you were in charge of. You had to be their mentor, and just going through each of them and trying to get 
understand a little piece of them. Some like skateboarding, you know, some like volleyball, some like uh, football, or, you know, just different sports, different things. And so if you understand a little piece about every one of them, it makes your job a lot easier. Now the parents, on the other hand, without a great team manager, I wouldn't have survived. So I had a great team manager. Yeah. So, like, and then of course, Margie, my wife now, but she was a great support. So yeah, understanding what you're selling, who you're selling it to, important things. I think it allows you to have like at least a good conversation, something that yeah. you really can talk about and develop. Because in the end, if you don't really invest into that, conversation is going to end until a period and that's it. Yeah. You can get more of that and it starts becoming a business. Mm-hmm. And then it's not really a conversation that has a goal to grow something, but it's more a business relationship. Yeah. It's just more of a, here, give me this and I'll give you this. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a business where you always want to grow something, at least make the effort to grow something by you educating yourself into that or into whatever you're trying to work on. You know? Yeah, developing those personal relationships. Yeah. I'm with you, man, 100%. Yeah. What are a couple things that people don't know about you, Franco? Oof. Um, you know, um, I'm a very complicated guy, man. And I have been told I was confrontational. And, you know, by all means, I am. I am confrontational, but... Um, I'm not excusing myself about that. I, I just, I think a lot of times when you're confrontational, cannot be read, read as, you know, as passionate about something. Mm-hmm. And the always the one thing that I told to people is like, if I wouldn't come out this way, being a little bit confrontational, and I would just be passive, then I just I'm just not caring about the whatever you're talking about. You're not being your true self like you said earlier. But if I'm confrontational or... Yes, is there ways to say it better? By all means. But if you really listen to a message, what it means or where I'm coming from, you can understand that, you know, that I actually care. And the reason why I say that is because I do care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other things is that, you know, um, uh, by complicated is because, you know... Oh, uh, maybe I should have just studied philosophy rather than just studying journalism, <laughs> but because it just allows me to think, read, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think uh, we, as I said, I think I, I, you know, when the when I had that defining moment mm-hmm. in my life, I think that changed that set me up good. Did I did nine internships before graduating college? Oh my goodness. Because, first of all, I wanted to be the best person that I can be, but at the same time, I needed to have a sponsorship on my visa. Um, wow. I think work in so many places, um, wrote stories for Fox in Spanish. Um, I was a television reporter, worked for an MLS team, uh, worked at different tournaments and stuff like that, won an Emmy, uh, was nominated for the National Emmys in sports. And those are the things, but yeah. um, when I, again, it comes back to the Franco that you know that sent you text message, hey Juan, how's it going? Yeah. Not the Franco that won an Emmy that did this. Yeah. The Franco that is, hey dad, how was your day today? Yeah. So it really comes down to that. So it, those are the things that in 20 years, 30 years, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, if I happen to pass away, you're not going to remember everything that I have accomplished on my personal career side. 
But you know, remember the text messages that we send, the times yeah. that we joke about, yeah. the times that we have a good discussion. <laughs> so those are the things that actually matter. And I think it's a trans- you know, transition life. And you know, all this time that that had been able to sit back and relax. One, you know, because we talk a lot of a lot about uh, when people stop reaching out. And mm-hmm. But sometimes those are those stops are good to have to see. Not I don't want to sound cheesy to see who your truly friends are, but I agree. It opens up your perspective about you know who are the people that they actually reach out to you because yeah. those are ultimately the people that continue reaching out. They they never had an intention to do anything but just becoming building a relationship with you. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we first met, like I said last year, and then obviously evolved into this friendship and with this podcast is like man you've got an amazing story I, i'd love for you to come on and now you're sitting here it's 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 a journey that i know we will continue with this friendship because you're right it's just text messages every once in a while say, hey Franco, how are you doing man and you know get some fun you're gonna come up to chesapeake and have lunch those are fun times man yeah we have i mean many times i feel bad for you because i'm like <laughs> taking so much time away from you that you're gonna be like getting in trouble with your work oh, but those are really good things that we invest with yeah. each other into learning to uh, learning about each other and then also you know growing and building the relationship so those are the things that in the end that i care the most yeah now uh, you know because i do think that um you're gonna have 150 contacts on your cell phone but you still text the same 10 people that you always yeah. get to text right <laughs> yeah the other 140 are just there whenever something happens just text the same 10 people all the time. That's true, man. And Speaking the, of texting people, who are two or three people without social media would you call and want to meet in person? Um, you know, um, a lot of times I, um, I, I have my friend Greg, who the best man um, mm-hmm. that I um, always talk to him because he, he, he works at an insurance company, but he also is a, a operations manager for LAFC, the, the soccer team over there. And uh, the new one, yes. Okay. And a lot of times when I talk to him, uh, we discuss the issues that we see in the different states or mm-hmm. in the, and and where we want to see each other in life, and then we feed each other about what can we do better and stuff like that. And you know, always the first thing is like caring about each other's well-being. Yes. Um, and and you know I think that's that's you know all all the time. Uh, I I I learn to text a lot. I call a lot my parents, which is something that people think, oh, that's something that everybody should do. But I bet you that there's actually not many people that actually uh, are thinking about their parents, especially when they live away. To call them, to text them, and then to see how they are. Yeah. And I think that 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 relationship, that nucleus, because we came as a nucleus, you know, mom, dad, sister, and myself. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, you think about this that we all came as a group together, and now we're all spread out in the U.S. and we don't get to see that much with each other time and with each other. And then every time that I get to see my my parents you start noticing things that maybe they don't notice. Oh, she has a little bit more white hair. Oh, my dad's a little bit <laughs> skinnier. And those are the things that yeah. that makes you think about they're getting old. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those are the things that um, we we forget about the impact that we can give to our parents by just 
simply letting them listen to our voices. Yeah. Um, and I think that has been very important uh, to be to have that relationship uh, because you know we, you know, the way I see it is that we all migrated together, was all together, and now working obviously different paths and stuff like that. But I have a very close relationship with mom and dad, and you know, yeah. um, different personalities, both of them completely different. I understand that. Uh, that is really like that. Think about next mom, very nurturing, like all moms. <laughs> Yeah. But just, you know, as I said, giving the best advices that she can give. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I want to say that those are the ones I always take and then keep in the mind. And then obviously I have a friend, Jerry, just because I have a group of friends that we always keep in touch. And I is just happy to see those friends growing and succeeding and then wanting to become better individuals. And it's always so nice to keep yeah. in touch with them. Man, that's awesome, dude. That- that's powerful because I, I, I can relate to that. I, I text and call my parents almost every day and just see how they're doing. And But they live right here about a mile away, so I stop in and mow their yard and hang out for a little bit when I can. Yeah, I know. Uh, trust me. Uh, the ones, you know, in the past, you know, it's crazy because when you're in your 20s, you just can't wait to stop talking to your parents so you can go to a club, so you can go <laughs> go to your friend's house to meet up and stuff like that. And now when I see my parents... I just don't want I, I just don't want those conversations to be ever be over anymore because yeah. I feel like I'm just learning more and more and the good times. So one of the habits waking up early with them and stuff like that because yeah. we start our day and start talking and it just makes you feel good. Yeah, man, that's that's for sure, dude. What a when was the last time you challenged yourself with doing something you'd never done before? And what was the outcome of that? Um uh, it's a, so a lot of times, um, you know, I think about me trying to work maybe outside of soccer, maybe outside of the entertainment, and and I have put myself a time that when I want to stop doing that mm-hmm. and really apply my my masters. Yeah, <laughs> but um, um, I think a, a a lot of challenges that I see right now that I always go back and forth is because. You know, as every every human being, you start becoming less risk averse. You actually become more risk averse. Sorry, you become more risk averse um, as you get older because yeah. you just you know family and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I still do see that if I wanted to do something with entertainment, mm-hmm. I still can do it now. I don't know if I would do it when I'm when I'm forty. You know, and while the idea of know working in entertainment because it's been so long and stuff like that yeah is there i'm willing to go ahead and try a few more times before i just call it quit and then focus on something else you know yeah, yeah. and you know and uh, does it require not living in oklahoma most likely uh does it require moving are you gonna be fine with it probably yes and you know i think that's um that has been something that has been on the on the mind and you know uh, we'll see after the World Cup. Yeah. What? So you you obviously love the sport of soccer, football, if you will. What if the Thunder called you and said, hey, we actually want you to come work for us? I'm open to working in basketball too, just okay. because, you know, as I say, uh, Ginobili opened doors and opened minds uh, mm-hmm. to people in Argentina yeah. uh, that made them to, create, to, have, to increase some interest over other sports. And, you know, um, I work with uh, uh, 
uh, Juan Ignacio Sanchez. Juan Ignacio Sanchez, Pepe Sanchez, it's a basketball. He was the first Argentine, along with Ruben Wolkowski, to be playing in the NBA. Uh, Pepe wow. Sanchez played for the 76ers, and Ruben Wolkowski, who played for what was the Thunder, played for the Seattle Supersonics. Mm-hmm. And Pepe Sanchez actually went to Temple, and I got to work with him because he was a television analyst for the Lakers in Spanish. Wow. And you know the fact that the preparation, the way that they th- that they're thinking, whether it's from the nutritional side or from the gaming side, it just makes you think about you know uh, uh, that you know it's fun. And, and yeah. I think you know it takes one person to be successful at something to open yeah. up minds of others to actually care about something because they just never we never thought that that could have happened and then genomically made it happen. Yeah. Wow. You talked about impact earlier. How does Franco make an impact? How does he contribute to society? You know, you know, everybody would love to say that, you know, I want to impact the society in the best way possible and stuff like that. I don't know if I can ever impact a full society, but I can impact my closest circle of friends and stuff like that. And then yeah. it could create like a domino effect uh, where everybody, you know, distributes this person. The the one thing that I try to be when I uh, care about the relationship, when I meet people, is just genuinely care about you. Yeah. Genuinely tell you the things that they are, to things that you might not want to listen to, I'll just tell you because I don't have nothing. I mean, the only thing I can lose is your relationship, but mm-hmm. do I want to lose the relationship with you in a telling you things that you just want to listen way or telling you the things that you might not want to listen but maybe completely black and white mm-hmm. and um, I think that's the way uh, like if you're not hearing me out then I'll tell you things how it is and stuff but and I think a lot of times we need a little bit of that mm-hmm. yeah. because um, sure coding is a good thing <laughs> but <laughs> but I think the impact on people when you sugarcoat them the growth it's, it's much uh, slower than yeah. when you actually tell somebody the things that they're expectation and then boom, change yeah. it right away and give them hardcore um, discussion. Yeah. So your parents, were your, was your mom or dad hardcore with you? My dad. Yeah. My dad, my dad, my dad, my dad. My dad, because my, my, my dad challenged me to say, hey, I think it's time for you to get a master's. And the day he came, got the master's, he, and say, hey, congrats, Franco, you did well, and yeah. stuff like that. First thing, like, hey, when are you going to get your PhD? Yeah. <laughs> Challenging right away. What is the next step? Right, right. You know? Yeah. But I think that comes also with the culture that comes Yeah. Uh, and I'm blessed, uh, to be honest. A lot of times in the past, I'm like, man, what is it? Why is it, I'm, you know, Asian living in Argentina and then, yeah. <laughs> you know, having to deal with this uh, cultural clash. Right. I'm going to tell you this. By all means, the was a huge blessing yeah. to be able to have Asian parents uh, adapted to the Western culture, to be able to speak Chinese, Spanish, and English. Best thing that ever happened to my That's life awesome. because it allowed me to meet people, learn about people, interact with, yeah. just have that easiness to, you know, meet people. Right. If you were to turn back the clock, what advice would you give your younger self? Uh Risk, risk, and and the reason why I did that is that um, you know when 
when I left, uh, when I graduated from college, um, there were two options. One was to stay in Los Angeles working uh, on a large television channel uh, as a production assistant. And the other one was to move to Chicago to work in a soccer team. Mind you, I actually studied journalism. So what would have made sense was to be able to work on television because that would have mm-hmm. been. But I still, had, I still decided to go to Chicago and so hard to leave my parents behind driving yeah um you know over there and i think when i risked that i just um, made me think about important of my of my parents mm-hmm. uh, that everything that that has come to me wasn't easy uh that you know uh, uh being so low i made you appreciate uh the things that you thought that you always had because you know, that it took nothing for your parents to get when it really took a lot of sweat for them to get. So I think the one thing I'll tell myself and I'll do it all over again is to risk and to move, yeah. to leave, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love, like, I, I do think that people in Oklahoma, I think sometimes uh, it would be great for them to be able to experience living outside a different city, mm-hmm. uh, even outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, live there for a couple of years, come back here, because I think all those experiences that you can bring allows the city to grow, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Good you, point. You're you from a homogeneous uh, society to a heterogeneous mm-hmm. society where you can bring a lot of uh, cultural influences, things to do differently. Right. Uh, so I think, you know, live out, you know, move on, live, risk it, live, go live. Somewhere else doesn't matter because those are the things that help you. And you put yeah. things, a lot of things in perspective. Yeah, it's almost like it's correlation could be like sports going from a big market to a smaller market. How you, the culture you understood there, how you can help implement it here and make this culture grow, whether it's soccer or basketball, mm-hmm. different cultures. But we're all growing because of your experience that you, you potentially could bring to a, a club or something like that. Yep. Yeah, man. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. What's your path forward from this point on? Um, you know, the 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 short term is just finishing Gold Cup um, and stuff. But the long term, um, you know, right now I'm uh, really discussing to maybe move away from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I, not not that saying it's time, but it's already the second time that I live here in Oklahoma. Um, I, my, I think it would be also good for my daughter to be able to uh, experience a little bit of a different city, um, how it is carried, maybe yeah. where there is more uh, diversity uh, and be able to, expe- to speak a different language all the time uh, and stuff, I think. And I want her to be able to see some different things, you know, in life uh, because I, you know, you know, I lived in Argentina and I moved here and allowed me to see so many things. But... Mm-hmm. Is sort of one of the things that once you live in the U.S., there's not really much that you're gonna move because you're in the perfect place. Yeah, I mean, U.S. is a great country, if not probably the best country. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got to experience living in Argentina a lot, move over here. So I love living in Chicago, living in Los Angeles, living in Oklahoma City. First state that I went uh, from Argentina was Florida, Fort mm-hmm. Lauderdale. So I want to have my daughter. If we can move outside of the U.S., which most likely won't, but the whole idea is to move. I was yeah. in Oklahoma just for my daughter to be able to experience uh, a little bit of that. Uh, I think it will be very, very impactful for her. 
yeah. to change it a little bit. Yep. I love it, man. The growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you want to be remembered? Um, you know, that's a very big question. Um, the one that um, always was there to serve others by genuinely being him, mm-hmm. uh, by giving you a, an advice, by giving you his time to help you move something. Yeah. Um, those are the things that matters, you know. Yeah. I, to be quite fair, the success that I get from working this, working that, and stuff like that, those are the things that I get to keep. Mm-hmm. And you won't remember because right. you won't know unless I told you about it. Yeah. Or unless exactly you saw right. it on something like that. But what I want you to be remembered is just the way that I treated you the first time that I got to meet you. Yeah. You know? And it's not going to be everybody. It's not, I'm not going to be able to please everybody. And I totally understand that because I also get to pick who I want to be able to please, who I want to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be a people pleaser all the time. I want to help. I want to mm-hmm. be the best guy for every, but the one few connections that I have, I just want to be able to be the one person that was always available for them that when you texted that person, I didn't come back to you 24 hours later saying, hey, what's up? But I show you that there was some sort of urgency because I really care about how I could have served you, how I could have helped you. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that for sure, man, for Thank sure. You. But uh, how do we get in touch with you? How do our listeners get in touch with uh, Franco? Uh, I not your cell number. No, I I <laughs> I, do, I I enjoy uh, Twitter a lot. Uh, so I do the at Franco Sai, I guess Franco S Y. Um, I do a lot of that, and then uh, Instagram is at Franco Sui F R A N C O S U I. Okay, very good, man. Well, Franco, do you approve this podcast? By all means, man. Great podcast. Thanks, man. My name is Wong Lan. And before I approve this podcast, Franco, I know you speak three different languages. So I'm going to have you say, my name is Franco, and I approve this podcast in three different languages. Uh, hola, soy Franco. Este, la verdad que es un placer estar acá con mi amigo Juan. Um, very good. My name is Wong Lam, and I'll say this in English and I approve this podcast. Franco, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Man. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Follow me on Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast. <laughs>